Welcome to the 139th episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner Forgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking Fight Week. The Terps take down the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and move on to take on the Illinois Fighting Illini on Saturday at Xfinity Center. And a little bit of a recap from the Orlando Invitational along with the football migration to the transfer portal. And, of course, your Terrapin Rundown. But before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie and Allied since 1995. You can reach Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Want to start things off on today's non-rev report. Um, volleyball ended their season on a five-game losing streak. They lost these last five games by a combined score of 15-3, to and they will end their season with a total record of 13-19 and and a Big Ten record of 5-15. and I mean, there are some injuries here, Mason, but on the whole, this is just a huge disappointment of a season, I think, for volleyball. Yeah, Jordan and I talked with uh, Todd, Todd Carton, about this uh, over the Thanksgiving break. And um, some injuries really affected the team, uh, some loss of leadership, but overall a disappointing season regardless of both of those things. Uh, the Terps battled hard in some, some marquee matchups this year, but really ultimately weren't able to um, get get set wins, weren't able to um, finish it off, and uh, resulted in really what was a poor season from uh, Coach Adam Hughes. Yeah, Adam Hughes and, and the squad, but... Get back at it next year, hopefully get some wins. Uh, moving on to gymnastics, they have their first event of the season, the Red vs. Black scrimmage tomorrow at the Xfinity Center. They will start play on January 11th up in uh, Boston. Yep, uh, hopefully a good thing from gymnastics. They had a strong uh, set last year. Um, and the women's side of hoops, to start off with here before we get into the men's side, um, the Lady Turfs have gone 3-0 since we last did our rundown. Uh, they uh, defeated Quinnipiac, former ACC Sorry, ACC foe Clemson, who, I gotta be honest, when I uh, read that in the Washington Post, because we played them when I was back home, that Maryland played Clemson, I actually just assumed it was an early season game. I kind of forgot they were in the Big Ten for a minute. And uh, they also beat Belmont. Um, highlights of this run include the Terps dropping 107 on Knipiak, while Stephanie Jones earned, or sorry, crossed the 1,000-point the marker. Uh, seven Terps earned double figures in that game. Uh, Maryland also beat Belmont by a score of 90-24. to This was the least amount of points allowed by the Terps since they held Wagner to 24 back in 2014. Um, really strong set of the games by the Terps, though. Yeah, and as we speak, the Terps are taking on number 13 NC State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. On ESPN, uh, Terps down 43-39 to at the end of the third, I believe. That was my last update that I saw. Jordan, anything else? Um... Just some individual awards here. On the volleyball side, uh, redshirt sophomore Katie Myers was named first t- team all Big Ten, so hopefully she's a, a centerpiece the team can build around for next season. And uh, Ashley Wasu, the guard for women's basketball, was named Big Ten Freshman of the Week for the last week of November, so some uh, youngsters getting it done out there for the Terps. Yeah, um, definitely going to have to be, definitely some young Terps that are, uh, uh, get that young Terps, that are making impacts across the board here and uh, that's pretty much it right now we're kind of in a dead spot for the non-revs so now we're on to some football news and it is a long list of things Jordan starting off with Sean Savoy 
Yeah, Sean Savoy, the former Virginia Tech receiver to Maryland receiver, has left the team. Uh, we do know that he is still enrolled at Maryland at the moment. That may change when the semester ends, but um, he has left the team. I believe he is a fifth-year player, so he might leave school after this because I believe he graduated already. So, But um, we do know he's off the football team. Uh, some good news before we jump into the super long list of transfers. Um, Maryland football has made the top three of Independence Community College for all you um, uh, Last Chance U fans. Um, offensive lineman, you know how to pronounce his name here, Mason? Yeah, I believe it's Johari Branch. Um, but you mentioned, I recall specifically, you mentioned Independence is one of the schools Maryland was going after, so this is good news. Yeah, uh, EMCC and Independence, both of the Last Chance schools, definitely, and Hutch, that was another school that was mentioned a lot in the show, uh, definitely schools that the Terps are looking to recruit from. Uh, Dave Lamonico, if you're a subscriber to Terrapin Times, a friend of our show here, uh, has a long list of guys visiting College Park uh, this weekend, going into uh, that early signing period on um, December 20th. Uh, a lot of work here to be done. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, Jordan, let's start uh, with the guys that have gone to the transfer portal. Both Gaddy twins have left the program, as expected by a lot of Maryland insiders. Uh, walk-on kicker Paul Inzarello, uh, he's gone from the program, a guy that you saw in action. Uh, he got some reps in the Temple game. Uh, reserve tight end Robert Schwab, tight end Tyler Devera, a guy that we, uh, all the recruiting experts are really high on coming into Maryland. And then, you know, just going down the list, Jaden Coma, uh, receiver, Teron Collins, a freshman defensive back, Fofi Bazzi, the Quince Orchard uh, defensive back who could never seemingly get on the field. For the Terps, Sean Nelson, a wide receiver. Uh, Carlos Carrier, a guy, the, probably the biggest impact player that's on this list. Uh, offensive guard, Paris Heath. Uh, receiver, MJ Jarrell. Defensive back, Raymond Boone. And cornerback, Ken Montgomery. Boone and Montgomery both left the program uh, before the season. A, a lot of guys on this list, not a lot of them impact players. I'm sure that most people don't know who a guy like Paris Heath is or a guy like MJ Jarrell, but... Really, in the ter- terms of Heath, he was a guy that Maryland expected. He was a JUCO that uh, the Terps expected to get something out of. They never really got it. Um, same thing goes along for kind of Fofi Bazzi, too, a guy that Maryland uh, was high on when they first got him that didn't ever do much on the field. You know? Yeah. Uh, out of this list, it's kind of, you know, a lot of people on the Internet and a lot of people that support this program kind of see it as a good thing. Getting getting the guys that Loxie didn't click with out of here and trying to replace those players with some JUCOs and some guys that can be impact players. Yeah, and um, this is a longer list than maybe most programs have, but especially in today's age with the transfer portal being so easy to access, it's not uncommon to see. I don't want to call them access to this, but like a lot of players leaving schools after one season, especially younger players. Most of these players are only what first, second year players. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at some guys, and this is very surprising to uh, to myself and some other people. Guys that were in this last Loxley class, you know, Teron Collins out of Georgia and um, Tyler Devera, the tight end out of New Jersey. Uh, these guys that were just in this last Loxley class, uh, that's kind of surprising, especially with, um, I really think, with Collins, given how uh, weak the Terps' defensive backfield was. Uh, just a lot going into this, but, you know, we expected it. Well, that's the one thing I think that jumps off the page to me. Maybe the only thing that really jumps off the page to me is that there's four defensive backs leaving here, which is, I know some of these guys didn't have great seasons, but you still don't, I feel like we don't want to lose as much 
depth back there when they're already so weak and well, that's our weakest part of the field. You can really make an argument is the defensive backfield, even with how bad some people think the lines have played. The defensive backfield was still a huge problem last year, and it really I feel like could damage us that this many that four. I know Boone and Montgomery left before the season, but four defensive backs are leaving right now. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be a spot where you gotta restock. You know, you got a few guys, Benu Braid and um, uh, Tarib Still, the two guys that jump off the page at recruiting there. That are gonna come in, they're gonna have to do something. Uh, Nick Cross, a, a guy that you're gonna look to have a huge role next next year. You're also losing Antoine Brooks, another guy that gave the Terps a lot of that safety spot this year. Uh, it's gonna come from, and this is a guy that some people have started to chatter about leaving. Dion Jones. Uh, the good counsel product in the defensive backfield, Jordan Mosley trying to find some constants back there. But ultimately, you're, you're in a tough spot in your defensive backfield. You're losing Tino Ellis, Marcus Lewis, you know, Antoine Brooks. Uh, on top of these transfers, you're, you're in a bad spot. You're going to look for guys like Vincent Fleith, who might be another guy that leaves out of the program, a guy that uh, had been at Maryland for uh, multiple seasons and was beat out by uh, uh, Banks and beat out by Levante Gator. For playing time, uh, you're going to be in a spot here where it, it might not be too pretty. Well, I'm, we're going to move on to the positive news, which is all Big Ten players soon. But one thing I want to also shout out is I don't think we've heard any coaching changes from the Maryland football staff yet. No, other than uh, the staffer, uh, Dave Minicarian, the guy that uh, was head coach at Urbana, formerly head of player development or player personnel at Maryland, one of those two, uh, he has left the staff. Uh, first reported by Terrapin Times, Keith Cavanaugh. Um, yeah, that's it. And Loxley doesn't look like he's going to make any uh, large changes. That's been the report out of the insiders. And uh, it's kind of hard for me to look at and, and say that John Hoke still has a job. I can see Scotty Montgomery. They really weren't able to get anything that they wanted to out of this offense. I think that's partially on Loxley, too. I don't really blame Scotty for that one. But, yeah, John Hoke being here is, is kind of a tough thing to uh, deal with. But... It, it is what it is. You know, they want to keep this program going. They want to keep constants, unlike Durkin did. Durkin's staffs had tons of turnover year after year. Uh, these guys want to keep the same thing going, keep the good um, momentum moving through through the program or what they believe they're doing right, keep it moving. Uh, it's uh, it, it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting look, but Loxley obviously showing a lot of faith in his coaching staff, and it seems like they really point to the players as, as being a lot of the issue, which I can really see being the truth. Well, maybe so, but for now we're just going to have to swallow another year with this coaching staff and hopefully it gets better. You know, um, the there is, well, hold on. There is a scenario, and there was a time where we all thought this thing was working the right way. Uh, let's not say that it's been bad. You know, every game was terrible and, and everything everything went wrong. It was when this team was punched in the mouth uh, by Temple that uh, they collapsed and they never really recovered from that. So we're going to see what they can do with the transfers, oh. with getting guys in there uh, that they believe in and getting, you know, they said a lot of, and they never really said this, but there, there's a lot of weeding out to do. There's a lot of JUCOs to add. Got to get stronger up front. And Loxley believes that with the with the team that they can put together that, that these coordinators can compete. And for now, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because this program, uh, they might have had a lot of talent on the team, but it, it's been through a lot. And this last year, I feel like it really hit them once they lost that game to Temple that, everything that's gone on, everything that started to show with them not being able to get that yard, not being able to win that game, that um, I just think it took a huge shot to morale that it, whether it's on the coaching to do it or whether everything that's happened over the past you know year and a half to three years now, 
really hit this team hard. I, I agree with that to some extent, but I think it's also on coaching. When you're leading young men like this, it's on you to it's on you to lead them. When they get knocked down, they're again, this is something that I feel like we're harping a lot this season, but I think it's important. These are kids. They're eighteen to twenty three years old. And we we're in that age range, Mason, and you know for a lot of kids our age, it's you need they need leadership. So when this team gets knocked down, it's on the coaches have to bring them back up. And I know they can't play the games for them. But I think, especially in a situation like you described, where the guy punched in the mouth and had trouble getting back up, that's when your coaching needs to step up and help them, most of all. Yeah, and I don't know what the really situation was, and it's almost all speculation, even from us, knowing what we know and and kind of being on the inside circle as far as this program's concerned. Nobody really knows what, what happened. Um in the locker room, nobody knows what the what the situation really was, and all we can do is speculate. But the bottom line is the score sheet, and the score sheet did not look very good for for the Terps. It looked like they had a lot of quit in them. It looked uh, they did have a lot of quit in them. I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. But Loxley wants to stick with the coaching staff, and you know what? He's got my support to do that. He's got to land some of these JUCO guys. Huge recruiting weekend coming up for the Terps, and he's just got to get it done. Uh, let's go to some positives here. All Big Ten players, Javon Leak, uh, first-team return specialist for the Terps. Kind of um, a huge record book year for uh, Javon. Yeah, um, I didn't actually expect him to return kicks this year, so I'm very pleasantly surprised on how it went. But uh, he definitely earned it. was also honorable mention uh, as a running back, and he, um, well, we'll get to his departure later. But for now, Antoine Brooks, second-team All Big Ten, I think absolutely earned that honor. Yeah, uh, Antoine, a guy that flies around the field, uh, had a tweet about Antoine Brooks. Wish every guy on the field could play like Antoine. Always brought the energy regardless of the score. Uh, he's going to do big things in the NFL. You know, a guy a lot that I like to think about is uh, Darnell Savage. You know, you were surprised by what he can do in the NFL just given how bad the Terps defense was. Antoine Brooks, to everybody in the NFL and to all the scouts, a guy that you can't sleep on, you know. Uh, he made yeah. huge impact plays here, special teams, defense. Uh, on both of those uh, units, and and he really, really uh, was a bright spot. In some some terrible losses for this program, but yeah, shout out to Antoine. Gave it all, always a hundred ten percent player, guy that really um, kind of showed what it means, especially in the Loxley era, to be a Terp. That's what Loxley wants to see: is guys that fight like Antoine Brooks. And it's gonna be different watching watching a team without him on it. He's played all four years, played a significant role all four years, so. It's going to be different to watch the Terps and not see a 25 flying around the field. And, uh, I mean, he hits hard, real hard. All right, uh, we're going to breach the rest of these because we're trying to run a little bit long here already. Um, Kendra Jones, honorable mention. Ace Ely, honorable mention, only a sophomore. Uh, great for him. Nick Cross, I was surprised, got an honorable mention as a safety. Only a, a true freshman should hopefully see growth from him. Dante Demas, honorable mention receiver. Um, Ant Mack, honorable mention running back. Um, anyone here surprise you, or do you think should have gotten more, Mason? Yeah, McFarland surprises me here. Um, uh, obviously, the injuries uh, hit him hard this year, but I don't actually think he had an honorable mention season. I'll say that. Uh, I think that he got that kind of just off pure talent. You know, Anthony does make big plays. We saw in the Michigan State game, he's still a completely capable player of doing those things. Not really knocking him. It really was the injury bug. Just surprised to see him on that list. 
And Ace Ely is another guy that you have to be surprised to see on this list. Maryland's inside linebackers for the, I don't know, 10th straight year probably were cooked all season. Uh, but Ayanda Ely, a guy that probably deserves it. I mean, he's a great athletic linebacker, but the linebacking core needs needs work. I agree. Um, and also, before we move off of football, maybe for the last time this year, um, Javon Leak and Antmack are two um, star running backs. They're both going pro. Um, to be honest, I'm surprised either of them left. Um, I understand Javon Leak more than Antmack, but I really thought we know Anthony McFarland can do better than he did, and I think he could have stuck around for another year, but it's his choice, and I'll respect it. But I'm still surprised that both of them are leaving. Yeah, and um, I think that uh, two of the big factors here into this, and I, it's not really a knock on them either, is um, that they were here and they, their two teammates, Derwin Gray and Damian Prince, came back to Maryland when both were expected to be, I believe it was a second and a fifth round pick. And both of them ended up being a seventh and an undrafted rookie. I think they both saw that, uh, heeded the advice and heeded the warning when you could be a draft pick, go ahead and take that opportunity. And they both took it. A uh, quick shout-out to these two explosive players. Made some plays and some really another group of guys, especially Javon Leak, that, that scored touchdowns when the Terps were down 54-0. Uh, he scored against Ohio State in the in the horseshoe a few years ago late in the game with a kickoff return, I believe, a running touchdown, too. Uh, two guys that just fought hard. And, and those are the guys you want to see being a Terp, especially Javon Leak. Anthony McFarland is always just an explosive player. Uh, took the chance to go to Maryland out of uh, DeMatha being a four-star guy. And um, two guys that really just, they deserve to be there. They deserve to be Big Ten honorable mentions. They have that kind of talent. They they belonged on the field every day. Every time they stepped on, you know, you can point to some guys on these Maryland teams when they play against Ohio State and Michigan and say they didn't really belong out there. But Javon Lincoln and Anthony McFarland belonged in every situation that they were in, and they constantly made plays whether regardless of the score. A glass to that, and I wish them the best in their pro careers. And speaking of pro careers, we have Terps from the pros the last two weeks. Um, so we'll start with JC Jackson today. Um, back to back season high snap percentages for JC 75% two weeks ago against the Cowboys, and was technically his first start of the season um, as one of the top two corners. And then played every defensive snap last Sunday night as the Patriots got taken down by the Texans. I don't know what's going on in New England with J.C. Jackson. I don't think anyone really does, but he's starting now, and he played the entire game last week, so something's working now. Yeah, he now leads the league in uh, two defensive back categories. I'm not sure which one. I saw it. It was an NBC Sports article about J.C. Jackson and his statistical success. Uh, Stephon Diggs, five catches on five balls for 121 against the Broncos two weeks ago. Only four catches for 25 yards in the loss to the Seahawks this week. Barring a disaster, will break 1,000 yards this season. Great for Stephon. Darnell Savage played 96% of defensive snaps two weeks back. 100% this week also picked off Daniel Jones this last week in the snow in the uh, Meadowlands and cooled off a little, but will still almost certainly be all rookie. So Darnell, you know, fought through that injury, was slow coming off of it, but still going to have an all-rookie season. Yeah, he has earned it. Uh, shows the talent that comes through Maryland, even though maybe the results are showing it recently. Uh, Yannick, down by you in Jacksonville, has 74% of snaps two weeks ago, uh, made two solo tackles and a sack. 72% of snaps this week with two solo tackles and a tackle for loss. Quietly having a good season down um, in Duval, but... Hey, Mishu Mania is back. That's the only thing that you can really say that's positive. It's happened here. An absolute train wreck of a season uh, from the Jaguars. Nick Foles is just... 
He's terrible. He's so he bad. And there's Eagles fans calling for him in Philadelphia, but we're getting off topic. Um, but Yannick, I expect to walk after this season. I don't think so. Uh, he's such an integral part of the defense and, and the culture here. There's, I, I just don't think there's a way. I think they'll pay him. Uh, Trey Edmonds up in Pittsburgh, kind of slowed down, two carries for seven yards. Uh, two weeks ago, only played three snaps with... Um, with no stats this last week. Um, yeah, Trey had one good game. As I think he's like going to linebacker. You know what, Jordan? I think they're going to move him to defense because he had that interception. Uh, I think that was three weeks ago now. I think he's going to end up playing defense. He's a special team's mainstay, though, in Pittsburgh. Yes, he is. Uh, Quinn Jefferson was a beast two weeks ago against the Eagles with half a sack and a fumble recovery with a return for 20 yards and a big man play. Uh, take it for what you will, but the Monday Night Crew was praising him and how important his health has been to the Seahawks. He's been prone to injuries recently. Um, but Seattle is, has a great defense again, and uh, they might keep Quinn Jefferson around, so hopefully he's part of the next Legion of Boom up there. Yeah, I definitely think they're keeping him around. Jermaine Carter only played... On specials, no snaps, although he did recover an onside kick against the Redskins. They're calling for him to go to the uh, the Pro Bowl as a special teams guy, Jordan. Hey, uh, that's great news. I think special team guys in the NFL are really underrated, and if Jermaine can turn to a special teams ace, they always have roster spots for them. You know, I'm starting to think that he's going to kind of take that Lorenzo Alexander kind of uh, way into it. Start off special teams, huge special teams guy. uh, Gets his opportunity on the defense one year and uh, proves he can do it there, too. Ty Johnson, seven carries for 23 yards in the last two games combined. Uh, also, five receptions for 27 yards returned kicks against the Redskins. Uh, Ty starting to struggle, but we'll talk about that near the end of the season. Josh Woods uh, played in three straight games now, all in specials, but still playing. And another uh, note on Josh Woods, he dedicated the, uh, cle- I believe it's cause for cleats, Jordan. Uh, TD is doing them for the Jordan McNair Foundation. Yeah, I saw that. Uh- that's great, and hopefully he raises some money. But I'm just happy Josh Woods is back on the field now. He really struggled to get his NFL career off the ground, but he's finally getting some traction going. Yeah, and uh, Byron Cowart sees his uh, first action uh, back on the field, played three snaps against the Cowboys, and then near injuries, Darius Kilgo, Sean Davis, and uh, Vernon Davis. So, and, Well, our chart of the week, though, goes to the Carolina Panther receiver, DJ Moore. And DJ Moore is on fire recently. Uh, two weeks ago, he had a season-high 126 receiving yards on six catches against the New Orleans Saints. Last week, notched 74 more yards as the Panthers followed the Redskins. In a still shocker. in the hunt. Yeah, still in the hunt. Um, he now sits at 980 yards, 20 yards short of his first 1,000-yard season. I mean, there's no question he's Trevor of the Week. And I I'm honestly very surprised at how well he's performing this season. I know he's talented, but the Panthers have been very good at seemingly stymieing their own receiving talent. But he's balling out in Carolina. Yeah, um, DJ Moore does well when the quarterback is not, apparently. Uh, Max Bornschlager was able to throw to DJ Moore for 1,000 yards. Looks like Kyle Allen's going to be able to do the same. But the Panthers are not in a great spot right now. Uh, <laughs> just fired their coach. Uh, definitely not going to make the playoffs now. But DJ Moore's having a great year, you know. Uh, DJ's a guy that uh, he finds ways to get open. And against the Redskins on his touchdown, he was wide open, Jordan. Yeah, and I am... I don't know if you saw that play, but there was nobody within 20 yards of him. Okay. But we're turning into... We have two Pro Bowl-level receivers in the NFL now. And I don't know when it's actually going to come through. Maybe it's uh, Daryl Jones or Dante Demas, but 
I think it's Demas. I think Demas has really got it. Just has to shore up the hands a little bit. You know, you really talk about this list is going to grow by three players. No doubt. At least three guys. You yeah, know, Antoine Brooks, Javon Leak, and Anthony McFarland will all be in the NFL next year. I think Tino also might get a shot. Yeah, Tino is probably going to get a chance. I think he can do something similar to J.C. Jackson once he gets a real pass rush along with him. And uh, maybe Keandre. I think Keandre might be able to get on his way onto a chance at the NFL. I think Keandre and Shaq Smith both will have that opportunity. And we'll see. But this list could be growing significantly significantly again this uh, uh, upcoming NFL draft season. Just waiting to see what happens. And who knows, uh, you know, you could start to see uh, Derwin Gray maybe get onto a full-time roster. And then the Turfs will have a pretty healthy amount of guys to go ahead and say that we got a, a strong NFL presence. But definitely got some players that are making some big-time things happen. Yes, we are, and um, let's flip over to our more um, successful sport at the moment, though, with basketball. Um, I don't even. I guess we should start with this, Mason, because I, I think every Maryland fan at this point knows our basketball team is doing extremely well right now. But you're one of the last. I won't say naysayers, given you have a little bit of um, optimism, but maybe one of the more negative folks on basketball. And I, I want you to explain why before we get into this for real. Yeah, I'm just. I see a lot of things I like. I'll be the first one to say that. I'm not going to say that um, this isn't going anywhere and all that stuff. But uh, just a quick update here. The Maryland women's basketball team falls to number 13 NC State on the road uh, 66-59. to Just went final. Uh, disappointing loss. Uh, Coach Freeze definitely got some soul-searching here to do. Uh, trying to get this team back to the top five pedigree that, that it has talent-wise. But uh, that that's a conversation for a different podcast. Um yeah, the, the Terps and Mark Turgeon especially just don't have my confidence. I mean, I love the way Aaron Wiggins and Anthony Cowan and Daryl Morsell are playing right now. I love what Sticks is able to do. But I just sometimes look at these games and I'm still left uh, scratching my head and screaming at the television. More screaming than scratching, but uh, definitely doing something while watching these teams. That I just can't buy in to them at this point, but they're getting there. You know, they're definitely getting there. I know this Notre Dame game proved a lot to you, Jordan. Yes, it did. Um, let's uh, get ourselves up to speed real quick here. The Orlando Invitational, first two games didn't go so great, but I'm hey. going to go for now. For now, I'm going to go with this theory that in that Marquette game, something may have clicked. You and know, I'm I just, sure what, hold on, Jordan. Before okay. you say that, on, on the last two games, we're not really going to hit on Harvard and uh, Temple game that much. Wins are wins. I think that that's proven to to uh, an extent this year in college basketball. You know, Stephen F. Austin beat Duke, that whole thing. They won those games, and, and sure, they were tough battles and other things, but you can expect that out of scrappy uh, mid-major teams that are looking for wins to, you know, especially in a Temple's case, to throw on their resume if they don't win their conference tournament. You know, Harvard's a team that has a lot of talent. They, they're Those two are both tough teams, and, you know, I think one of them, or both of them, we might see in March, and... You know, they might not be have the best records right now, but you could definitely see that Temple and Harvard both had something going on, but continue. All right, and you're right. The mid-major teams will fight for their lives, for their lives in games like this because this is their big chance to make a name for themselves. But in that Marquette game and this Notre Dame game, these are both, I know Notre Dame's not very good this year especially, but these are both major conference, major program schools. And Maryland looked... Head and shoulders more talented than both of them, in my opinion. And yes, we're all we've been more talented a lot, especially since Turgeon got here. We've been recruiting well. Ayala, Wiggins, Sticks, Cowan, these are really good college basketball players. 
But they start to look disciplined now. They're starting to look together. They're starting to look, especially on defense, especially on defense, are looking fantastic. And I've never seen a Trojan team play defense like this. That defensive performance against Notre Dame was maybe the best defense I've seen Mark Trojan teams ever play. And I think that if you can combine the defense we're playing with discipline, we're throwing in zones regularly now, which I can't believe, but it's working very well for us, with the talent we already have, with Darren Morsell taking an offensive step, with Aaron Wiggins finally playing, I don't know what his deal was in the first part of the season, but he looks like competent again on offense. We have a, I'm going to make it some flack for this, but we have a title-level team here. If these things keep going our way, if these team, if we keep playing well and as a unit and playing hard on defense, their potential is real. Jalen Smith, by the way, I didn't see anything about this one, two or three from downtown against Notre Dame. Like, there's things falling into place here that if, we're, if we can keep them together, we can actually win the whole thing here. There's that much potential here. But that's my – I'm drinking the Kool-Aid right now. What do you think, Mason? Yeah, I, I got to say that I am too here. Uh, Jalen Smith, 15 points, 16 boards. Eric Ayala, 14 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Anthony Cowan, only 9 points against the Fighting Irish, only 2 assists and 2 rebounds. Aaron Wiggins, 11.7 rebounds. Daryl Morsell, 10.7 rebounds, 4 assists. I mean, the list goes on and on of guys that are just absolute weapons. Hakeem Hart starting to find his uh, spot in this lineup, uh, starting to show that he can shoot the 3-2. Uh, Dante Scott giving the Terps major... You know, it's kind of like Morsell's taking the step up and Dante Scott slid into his spot from before. There are a lot of things to look at at this team. Uh, the thing that I didn't like is Ricky Lindo comes in, gets a block. You know, I'm a huge Ricky Lindo fan, gets a rebound, uh, and he dives in for a layup and then immediately gets taken out of the game. Kind of bothered me. But, you know, the whole thing was working. Makai Mitchell only three minutes in this. Uh, my bad. Mikel Mitchell only gets three minutes in this game. Uh, Makai showing that he's starting to you know, kind of find a rhythm to go with this thing, even though he didn't score in this game. There's a lot to look at here. There's a lot to like. And I think the main thing to like is that Maryland was playing as bad as possible at the beginning of this game, and their defense kept them in it, their heads stayed in the game, and eventually they found it, and you ended up with plays uh, like the one that Aaron Wiggins made at the end of the half that I have never seen a Mark Turgeon player make that play. No, neither have I, and that was... That and the, Aaron, and the Eric Aiello one-handed hammer over the Notre Dame play were spectacular plays. I'm Aaron Wiggins was playing on Twitter for a minute for that play. Look, I'm not going to say anything else at this point. I really think we could win something with this team. And to the Ricky Lindo point, I had another way of looking at it, which is that he only played two minutes, but those two minutes were very important to us because it kept the momentum going our way. It's just little things like that that make me believe that this team can actually do something this year. And I um, have a, this kind of weird habit now of checking other teams' Twitters, like their fan accounts or their um, replies out when we're playing them. And all the Notre Dame fans were just saying, holy crap, we don't look like we're in the same de- like, league as those guys. Those guys look like... Yeah, and Mike Price said it too. Team. The head coach for Notre Dame said that. He said uh, they were the varsity and we were the JV tonight. That is what I like to hear. You know what? This is what I want out of the football team now. You see the effort out of Aaron Wiggins on a play like that. You see the effort out of Eric Aiello on his dunk. You're starting to see these kids play with something more. You know, I think, Jordan, that's what you were talking about. Now you're starting to get me to buy into it. Is We are playing with something more. There is something else going on here. And, you know, you kind of saw it from Jalen Smith. I don't know if you saw the post game uh, with Jalen Smith with the announcers from last night. And um, you just, you're seeing it. Something is happening here, and I like a lot. I really like what's going on here. 
because you can see the effort from these guys. You see that their mind is in the game. They're a mental team now. It's not just, oh, we're better than them with talent. It's, we're clicking. You know, we're, we're, we got what's going on here. And, and they talked about whether Anthony Cowan is a vocal leader or not. I think that Maryland's kind of got it for once in the Turgeon era under control. I think there's a clear pecking order inside the locker room. I think these guys got each other's backs. And I think there's a lot going on here that we've never seen under Mark Turgeon. But given that, they're, what are they, 8-0 now? Best start since uh, Steve Francis' day. Best start since Steve Francis, yeah. If they go 10-0, I think it's their best start in since the Ken Palm was founded, at least. I know that one, so at least 1995. Yeah, and you're seeing you're seeing great things happen in College Park. And uh, on the Gold Rush on Saturday, 1,000 unsold tickets. Jordan actually did the math on that one. Um should be a sold-out house and, and really should be a rocking environment for the Gold Rush this season, this early, which is very rare. Um, you know, it, it turns out to be a pretty good timing, actually, somehow. Yeah, it's in a spot where there's a lot of hype around this team. I don't think they're getting the fan support they deserve yet, but, you know, they've they've had a lot of negative moments where people have really bought into them and then been hurt by them. So I can kind of see why, but this team looks like it's the real deal so far, but... They're only 9-0. I'm still a little bit hesitant. I love what I'm seeing, though. Effort-wise, strength-wise, they look like the team. You know, Kyle Tarp, the strength and conditioning guy from Maryland Basketball, has always had these guys ready to make a run, ready conditioned. They have the right body types. They get everyone looking right and built right. It's just the heart hasn't been there. And this year, with Jalen Smith saying that he's playing for Maryland, with Maryland pride, that kind of thing, that's what I think the football team needs to get back to where they want to be. That's- uh, there's something when you mentioned that point remind me of something I was and then say, hold but, on um, hold on and then you have Anthony Cowan who realizes this is his last season for the school that he dreamed for playing these are the kinds of players that you hear about with teams that make runs in, to, deep into the NCAA tournament and win championships they have players that are from the area that want it for that they don't want it just for themselves just for their NBA stock or just for their you know hopes to play pro basketball but they want it for something more play for something more you know we talked about on the radio the other day on, on uh, Turp Talk Radio the fight for Iowa and the the NDSU phrase that we all love. You know that's kind of what these two have going for them. And Daryl Morsell is just another one, another drop in that bucket. And I think that that plays into the heart and the passion for Maryland that they play with. And that's why that's why I watch sports, not why a lot of other people do, but that's why I love seeing that. And just it makes me feel happy and wholesome as a Maryland fan just to have. You know, guys that understand why why the fans scream when they lose. You know, they, you got three of those guys on your team, if not more, and and that's just something that you gotta love to see. Well, uh, didn't expect that much buy-in from Mason, but I got it. I guess I'll take it. That's one more thing I wanted to. Well, I guess this might be the last thing now. And then, um, oh yeah, I even forgot the Mitchell twins and Ricky Lindo are all from DC. I was gonna get to that more on the team, but you covered covered it. Eric Ellis from DC and Reese Mona. And Valman. You're stealing all my points, Mason. You know, I thought it was really interesting, Jordan. Did If you saw Jalen Swift's interview with the ESPN guys, he pointed out Travis Valman was one of the first guys he said when they started talking about the locker room. Hey, those walk-on guys matter, and I think these walk-on guys, like, they're from Maryland, as you said. They really want to be here, and I think they might trickle down, or trickle up maybe in this case, but you get, get the point. Yeah, these guys want to be here, and that's, this. I guess this will be the last point now. On Turp Talk on Saturday last week, I wanted to talk about this on the radio, on air, but I didn't get the chance, we ran out of time. When we were talking about why this football season didn't work, and one of the things that came up was when you go to Maryland football games now, 
compared to other things, like you mentioned, like the fight for Iowa or NUSU or Alabama, it feels like you're just going to a football game. It doesn't really feel like you're playing for something. With basketball, though, it feels like you're playing for something. And it really does this season. And I know I sometimes I just wrote this in, but it's because I think at our core, in our DNA, we are still a basketball school. And we have this legacy of success. And I know some people knocked or have been that good, and that's true, but not that much. We're still a top 15 basketball school. There's not that many above us. We're just comparing ourselves to North Carolina all the time. But this this is a chance, I think, this year. It's almost undeniable for me. We have the potential to win, to go to the Final Four, win a championship this year. And for all of the Turgeon stuff, this, I think, is a defining year. This team has the talent and the drive to win something, to win the whole thing. And I hope we live up to the potential that we have this year. But if we don't, that might be it for me, for the Turgeon era. This team has that fight, has that potential, has so much talent. We are head and shoulders above, I'd say, all but 15 teams in the country in terms of talent right now. I really so would say, like, oh, in terms of talent. I thought you were saying in terms of how far along they are. I wouldn't be surprised if they're number one, or Louisville and Maryland are one and two. I, I believe it. Because, well, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but, uh, but I'll go ahead no, and no, say no, what no. I was going to say is – you know, at this point, in this point in the season, I, d- I never believe this when it comes down to championship time. But at this point in the season, defense wins games, and Maryland has uh, Maryland and Louisville are one and two when it comes to defense. No, no doubt about that. Michigan's up there. You know, North Carolina really did not throw a good performance out uh, last night against Ohio State. But the Terps are top tier when it comes to that, and that's what's going to win you games earlier in the season. Maryland's got to develop a little bit more, you know, knocking down some threes earlier in the game, and that is a problem. But right now, I think Maryland's the number two team in the country. Not a doubt in my mind. Well, it's just when it comes down to March and the great coaches get it, you know, a few months and film with their teams, like, you know Michigan State's not going to stay losing these games to everybody. You know North Carolina's going to find some rhythm here and, and not lose games by 20 come March. You, you know some of these things. Virginia's not going to score, I believe, what did they score, 39 against Purdue? They got whacked. It was more the, for me, it was more that he let up 65 points or whatever it was. But, I, yeah, you're, you're saying. You know, that's a team that, that they have some issues this year. They can't get the ball to Diakite. They don't have Kyle Guy. They don't have Ty Jerome. That's a team they that lost. might, you know what, they won their championship, so now they can lose some games. I'll give they them that. They lost like 60% of their offensive production in their three guys they lost last year. But can, just continuing on with what I was saying before, Maryland's up there right now. It's just going to become March. Can Turgeon develop the team to the next next step that it takes to win a championship? And that's what Turgeon uh, has yet to be in. He hasn't had to take that team. He hasn't had the opportunity to take a team to the point where it's uh, going to win a championship. But, you know, that's what's left to be seen this year. And I think that's a good point to um, wrap up kind of this hype Maryland basketball podcast we've had here going for the last 15 minutes. Well, they've earned it. They really have. And hopefully they can keep the good times rolling. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, well, I was going to say, I'm highlighting something on everybody's schedule. January 7th, we play Ohio State at home. Just letting everybody know that. The day after I go back to college, uh, to the school that no longer has a football program. In case you're wondering, yes, that's the school that I go to. Uh, We'll we'll have to talk about that. We will have to talk about that. I'll be there and I'll be screaming. Um, Another thing to watch out, watch out for this Illinois team. They've had some tough, they've had a tough start to their season. They got a baller, that uh, Desiumo guy, uh, he's a baller. This is a team that beat Maryland last year when the Terps were flying high and Illinois was really low. Uh, they, they can do some damage. They proved that last year. They beat Michigan State. They beat Maryland. They they can do it. 
I, I love this fight night thing that, that the Terps have going on. Uh, round two this weekend, Gold Rush against Illinois. Be there if you can. Thousand unsold tickets. Tickets starting as low from UM Terps for $22. Uh, get in the building. This is uh, hopefully we're on a special ride here. Uh, get in on it early. Uh, Jordan, is that a wrap? That is a wrap. Huge recruiting weekend this week in football. We'll have all of your Terrapin news after the Terps. Hopefully take down Illinois, 5 o'clock, ESPN. Uh, yeah, ESPN again for the Terps uh, against Illinois. Be there if you can make it. Again, tickets $22. Support our team. Support our Terps, number three in the country right now. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors here on the Young Terps Podcast, Viner Four Gates and Rockville. For all of your business, IT needs, Viner Four Gates is your place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 and Allied Party Rentals. For all of your party rental needs, big or small, Allied is the place to go. You can visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. And we'll be back here on the podcast, hopefully with some, I know with some positive football recruiting news. There's already been rumblings of a commitment, at least one from this weekend. And hopefully with another basketball win to discuss. And as always, thanks for listening.